it's like it's like saying you're from Rhode Island. Like nobody fucking gives a shit about Connecticut down here in Tennessee. Okay, Delaware. Okay, big whoop. Welcome into football and other F words. Mr. Lebowski, Michael Gillum is out, but don't fear. Do not change that dial. You have me and Mike Miracles here, Mike Herndon. You can follow us on Twitter at F words pod. You can follow Mike at Mike Miracles. You can follow all the content that we provide in both video, audio, and written format over at broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can get an $8 membership that proceeds of that go to the Heimerdinger Foundation, which provides uh, meals to cancer patients. It's a really great charity and a really great cause. Uh, if you haven't done so, you can even switch your membership over to that and support to a good cause. You know, that's a tax write-off and tax write-off season's coming. So, you know, it's, it's it a is. donation, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, I mean... I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out my ass. I don't know about that part. So don't hold me to it. Don't hold me to it. Disclaimer. I am not a tax specialist and I know nothing about taxes. Do you know anything about taxes? I know a little bit, but uh, I know enough to know that you should ask your accountant before you try to write off your yeah. Broadway sports membership. Yeah. Yeah. The, but it's possible. Make sure. it's possible. It's possible. Maybe. I mean, you know, those tax guys, they know all the little nooks and crannies to get into. And speaking of nooks <laughs> and crannies, we are brought to you by manscaped to clean up your nooks and crannies you need manscaped lawnmower 3.0 it's waterproof it's got lights on it i mean it's got everything that you need it's available in the uk it's available in the u.s it's available anywhere that you hear my voice go to manscaped.com if you have a father give your father the gift of manscaped there's nothing like opening your being there around with your family, with grandma and all your cousins and everything and seeing your father or your uncle or your granddad open up a ball hair trimmer just right there in front of everybody. So go to manscaped.com and use code BroadwayTN to get 20% off and free shipping. That's manscaped.com, BroadwayTN, B-R-O-A-D-W-A-Y-T-N. 20% off, free shipping. Nothing better than that, am I right? Do you think Dom has I, one gift wrapped for you under the tree? Oh, no, he's getting one. He's getting he's, one. He's, wow, yeah. he's really progressive. <laughs> he's growing fast. <laughs> he is These growing uh, fast. beaver tranquilizers we're giving him are, uh, are working out. You might as well get it now. That way you could just store it away because I'm sure it's still going to be great later on down the road. That oh, ceramic sure. blade sure. and everything, it's high craftsmanship. Mm. Yeah. And he, he can use uh, the little light as like a train, you know? Like, yeah. Choo -choo. yeah. Speaking of trains, Derrick Henry ran all over the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> and it was marvelous. He just owns their soul. Right now, if you're an away team, it's kind of like what was happening with the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints uh, weren't al hadn't allowed a 100-yard rusher until this last Sunday, but it was like 50 games, right? 50 games they haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher. Derrick Henry's on a just did his ninth consecutive road game with one or with over a hundred yards. We have a some road games left. Might as well just bet the over on a hundred yards if you got it. And 
I th- I think that you know he's gonna break. Uh, can he break a record in that? Because I know he's tied with Chris Johnson, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so he he's got a shot to get the franchise rushing record. He he would need like a hundred and I think it's 157 or 158 yards per game to to get to Chris Johnson's what was it 206. Um, so he's uh he's very close to being on that threshold. He's going to need probably one more big like blow up 200 yard game. But if you look at the run defenses that we've got coming up here, uh, there's a chance it could happen. I mean it. I thought last week it was probably dead after he he had the sixty week or sixty yard performance um, against Cleveland, but he really more than made up for that uh, this week against uh, Jacksonville, and and so now we're we're right back into basically the spot that we were two weeks ago with him. That you know if he finishes strong, he's got a shot, um, and he's he's pulling away in the rushing title again. It's it, frankly he's he's better this year than he was last year by almost any statistical marker you want to look at which is insane because he was so good last year and everyone you know said oh he had 400 touches and uh oh dear well you can't pay a running back because then they get bad and now here he is he's smashing faces again and uh yeah it's beautiful to see it well you speak speaking of the running defenses that he's gonna face david montgomery who has who before the last three weeks, had never had hadn't had a 100 yard rushing game yet this season, goes off for 11 attempts for 103 yards versus Green Bay. That's 9.4 yards per carry. Then he gets 72 at 4.2 yards per carry and two touchdowns versus Detroit. And then this last week versus Houston and that drumming that they took, 11 attempts, 113 yards, 10.3 yards per carry. And that's David Montgomery, who's quite possibly one of the worst running backs and starting running backs in the league for the amount of attempts that he gets in a year because he's not been that good. Derrick Henry is going to feast. There is a real possibility in these final three games that he at least goes for 200 yards one more time. But on top of that, I could see him easily getting this 2,000 yards with these three guys lined up. Yeah. Hey, hey, listen, <laughs> the rush rush defense DVOA for the last three teams, Jack Jacksonville was the best run defense that the Titans had left to face. Uh, they were 23rd in, in rush defense DVOA. Uh, their opponent this week, uh, the Lions 28th, uh, Green Bay 25th, and Houston 26th. These are all bottom eight uh, run defenses. He is going to smash these teams, and I there's a real chance. I mean, I saw somebody throw out, you know, even theoretically uh, Eric Dickerson's uh, single-season NFL record uh, could be in play. He would have to have probably close to three 200-yard games for that to, to really happen, but, man, it's, it's not – really impossible um which is really crazy to say and if you think about too like these next two games it's going to be outdoor probably cold in nashville this week uh and then you're going to have up in green bay in week 16 outdoors again that's derrick henry weather um i i don't know it's all kind of lining up here um for him to to put up some just monster numbers well, and that, let's not forget we just talked about that uh 
you know, eight, nine consecutive road games with a hundred yards. Uh, the last two are road games and I am yeah, looking at it. Sure. And the crazy stat that popped out to me was that he has four 200 yard uh, rushing games, right? Since 2018, the whole NFL has the rest of the NFL has four total. That is insane. It's 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 crazy to me that people still and we'll get into it later, but still doubt Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill on Twitter and put it out for the public world to see because that's got to be embarrassing, <laughs> it's embarrassing, right? Like it's it's very embarrassing <laughs> that there are people out there that still want to doubt it and put it like keep it to yourself. Like that's what I don't understand. It's like why do you have to go out on a limb and try to detract from Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and speaking of Ryan Tannehill. What a game. He was throwing darts out there. He was unbelievable. He, um, I, you know, I, during the first half, I was sitting there and I was like, I, I mean, he was playing out of his mind. I think at one point he was 16 of 19. Uh, and one of those, one of those throws was a throwaway. And then the other one was a drop. I'm not even sure what the third incompletion was. It might've been another throwaway, but I mean, he was, clinically accurate in this game just all over the field um just dropping dimes wherever he wanted them to now he didn't have to do a ton in the second half because obviously the titans you know they got that sequence at the end of the first half to go up 17 to, to three and then they got the touchdown right after halftime and then the pick and then another touchdown and so the game was pretty much over pretty early in the third quarter um, so he didn't have to do a ton late, which is nice. It's nice to, to get him out of the game, get Woodside, uh, wheels Woodside, some, some reps. Um, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it was a complete offensive performance from the Titans. Um, you know, the 31 points may not seem that impressive, especially compared to what we've seen this offense put up a, a few different times, but man, they, they could have scored 50 easy if they wanted to, if they wanted to keep going in that second half, they could have put up 50, 60, whatever they wanted. I think on that Jaguars defense, we now have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. Wow. Eight games out of the, uh, I guess, uh, 13 that we've uh, had. Eight games with over 30 points scored. That's unbelievable that this is happening in our lifetime right now, Mike. I mean, <laughs> I know that we lack a lot of uh, apparently third down uh, slow wide receivers on this team that people are clamoring for, They that we desperately apparently need. But not only that, we have six games of 400 yards or more of offense and then one game of 600 yards of offense. Like, so that's seven games of 400 more uh, in a season. It's, it's unbelievable the, the offensive turnaround that we are seeing on display for this Tennessee Titans team. And listen, I know it's against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and but... I think there is some takeaways you can have fun. I've, I've seen a lot and heard a lot about how we shouldn't take a lot away from this Jacksonville Jaguars game, but there is stuff to take away. I think that it's positive and to build upon. And one of that was the, and I talked about it on the halftime show and the post game show was the swagger shown by this defense. I said in the group chat after that Ty Smith, uh, where he, uh, 
broke up the pass and like Darren Bates comes over and he's the hype man for the team and everything. He's worth his money just for the hype. In my opinion, Darren Bates, I, I, I put it in the group chat. This game is over. This defense is filling itself in the secondary. It is done. And then Rashawn Evans is somehow breaking up passes and stuff. To me, that's something to take to, to take from yeah. for this Titans team. And that's, that's a good thing. When you have Ty Smith out there and then Malcolm Butler keeping uh, DJ Chark, I think uh, he only allowed like seven yards when he was on DJ Chark. That's a good thing to build upon. That's a good takeaway. It's still, you're still going up against an NFL offense. And I understand that baby giraffe and the mustache aren't that, you know, powerhouse of quarterbacks. But when that defense sets a tone early, like we've seen Kenny Vaccaro do before, it's over for the opposing team. It was, you know, I, I agree that there's not, you, you shouldn't throw a parade for beating the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like the, this team, that's their 12th loss in a row. Uh, it's not a good football team, but we talked about it last week. The Jaguars, after putting Glennon in, were playing competitive football. They hung with the Browns team that everyone loves now. Uh, and, and lost that game when they came up short on a two-point conversion late, and they were leading in the fourth quarter of that game for a little bit. Uh, they lost in overtime against the Vikings um, in Minnesota, which I don't think the Vikings are great, but the Vikings are a competitive football team. If, if they didn't have one of the worst kicking performances in the history of football uh, this weekend, they probably would have been right there with the Bucks, who everyone thinks is good. So I, I think – this Jaguars team had been playing better uh, with Mike Glennon. They put up 25 points and 24 points the last couple of weeks. The Titans coming out and shutting them down and getting Glennon benched, I think is meaningful. Um, you know, it, frankly, we've seen bad offenses put up big points on the Titans defense this year. The Jaguars put up 30 on them already once this year. So them coming out, having a, a good performance, against a team that does have weapons. James Robinson is a pretty good player. Uh, well, he's, he's exactly really Derrick Henry. Receiver. They're the exact same player. <laughs> we, hey, we'll, we'll get that. We'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> um, LaVisca Chennault, I think, is a pretty good player. Keelan Cole is a pretty good player. They've got some weapons, right? It's not just uh, this. In the offensive line, I think, for the Jaguars, has been a strength for them for most of the season. So it, it's not just this collection of of terrible players and and i know mike glennon's face and uh neck being slapped on the label of this offense downgrades what people think of it quite a bit but it is not quite as bad as what it, you might think it is and the titans showing up and making plays and on the defense and not not just like allowing the jaguars to fail they made legitimate plays like malcolm butler was out there balling Rashawn Evans like you said was breaking up a couple passes which coming into that game he had three career pass breakups and he had two in this game so he nearly doubled his career total uh just on in one afternoon so it's um it was positive progress I thought the defense looked good despite, despite being without Vaccaro despite you know being down uh as we've talked about many times to like their eighth and ninth pass rushers or whatever they're on now um you know on defense it was a good game it was it was a this is what you were supposed to do that's what they did they they executed they put the game away early and got got the backups in that's exactly what you want to see happen 
Uh, the one the one bad takeaway you could take from this is that they walk away with their second consecutive game without a sack. And I was yeah. looking on it before we got here, and I'm going to dive into it a little bit further on Twitter. But from 2000 to 2020, those seasons in the NFL, they rank the fourth fewest in sacks. They're actually tied for third fewest in sacks. And it's not very good. Our our lowest sack season since 2000 is uh, 2006 when I believe we had 26. So this is going to be probably our worst sack season as a tennis as the Tennessee Titans ever. It's not going to get better, I don't think. I know that there are some near misses, and people think that Adoree Jackson is going to fix that. Don't I, I still say I don't know if you should rely on Adoree Jackson to be the cure-all for this defense. And I also don't know if he can cure Harold Landry letting Mike Glennon juke him out of his uh, shoes and wiggle out of a, a sack. Like, remember, Dave and Clowney had Baker Mayfield, or not Baker Mayfield, uh, who do you have dead to rights? Uh, Joe Burrow, dead oh, to rights. Oh, yeah, Burrow. Yeah. And, and still couldn't tackle Adoree Jackson can't fix other people tackling. You know, he could buy people time, but he can't fix other people tackling. I think part of that's got to be that they are so rarely around the quarterback that those guys just get so excited that they're like, you know, it, it's kind of like uh, Chris Farley in um, what was the movie uh, Black Sheep when he, oh, yeah. he does the analogy with the biscuit and he's like, and I see this precious sale and I just smash it and smash it. And uh, I think that's exactly what they do. They're like, I see this precious sack and I just smash it. And they just fuck it up and, uh, and, and let Mike Glennon uh, shake him for, to go get a pass away. It's, it's unbelievable that this team just cannot generate sacks and they're there. They're there to at least walk away from, on these games with at least one sack, but zero sacks the last two weeks. That is going to be the nail in the coffin for when you play, you know, players like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. It's not that great. Uh, you know, when you think about it now, you know, when you face the Steelers, you'll probably get a few sacks there. But when you're looking at this defense, how can pass rush continue to be a problem? Like, I just don't understand it. And it, I understand that, I mean, Malcolm Butler is playing a hell of a game and not allowing any, you know, hardly any passes, no yards. I don't think it's our, I don't think a Dory Jackson is going to change that much. I think he's going to help though. Cause I mean, Ty Smith was good in this game, but that corner spot has been a major problem in multiple games and in both Ty Smith and Borders now have had, and even Jonathan Joseph had a, a good game uh, in that spot, but it is, you can have one or two, it seems like, but the, the just devastating, you know, game where the guy allows a hundred plus yards and a touchdown is coming at all times at that spot. I don't think it's coming if a Dory Jackson's out there. And if you get Butler playing the way he is, Jackson comes back and plays to his capability. You've got some real ability on the back end all of a sudden now that doesn't fix your linebackers uh which are a coverage liability really real a big coverage liability right now um but 
it, it's going to help. It, it's certainly not going to fix everything, but it's going to help. Um, I, I, I don't think the pass rush can be fixed. I, that That's just, I think it is what it is. They just don't have the guys to get there at this point. Um, Harold Landry can do it every now and then. Jeffrey Simmons has kind of had a few down weeks now. I feel like it, maybe it's this uh, this injury that he's been kind of working through. Um, but he certainly does does not seem to be having the impact on games that he was earlier in the season right now. So I I, I don't know if that's injury, injury related or teams just focusing on him without the threat of Clowney or the threat of, uh, you know, anyone else really um, outside of Landry. But that's uh, that's kind of how I see it. I just don't think they have the guys to get it done. They, they just don't have anybody that's capable of creating or beating a block and creating pressure. It's it's sad, but I think that's where they are. Why not bring in Clay Matthews or Cameron Wake? Someone to 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 do something. Yeah, I, I wonder about that because I, I think both those guys could help them. Um, but obviously the question is do those guys want to play? Are they interested in suiting up for a few games to get a, a few game checks, you know, in a COVID season and dealing with all the COVID nonsense and all that I mean it's my guess is if those guys didn't want to play for the first you know three months of the year they probably don't want to sign on uh in December um so I I just think they're kind of stuck with what they've got I mean maybe Brooks Reed can figure out something I don't know it's it's just it's kind of a sad sad state right there but I mean I don't think it's completely hopeless because if you can figure out a way to to generate pressure through blitzes you do have good blitzers right that's that's the one kind of maybe uh silver lining in the whole deal vaccaro is a good blitzer david long's a good blitzer rashawn evans can be a good blitzer um though desmond king's a good blitzer so those guys you could potentially maybe generate pressure with i i i hope when vaccaro returns that they play vaccaro almost as like a, a will linebacker and just leave him around the line of scrimmage all the time and let him rush a lot because he's really good at it. He's real. he's possibly their best rusher uh, on the field half the time. So I would, I think they've got to get creative with their personnel that they do have because the guys that are in those positions where you would normally want to get pressure from just, they can't do it. They, they physically can't. Well, speaking of terrible, it's time for terrible Titans Twitter takes. And this one was pretty easy. This one was like gifted to us on the platters this week. I don't know what happened. Heaven. Um, I would say best friend of the podcast, Buck Rising, but I want to distance ourselves from him. So I will probably say uh, known acquaintance or known associate, (laughs) Buck Rising of A to Z Sports. Basically, now I know that the core argument behind this tweet is that you don't pay running backs, right? That's the core argument. He's on the don't pay running backs train. He's always been on that train. That's the core argument. But the way that he words the tweet, basically he is saying that they, you can get the, you could put James Robinson and Derrick Henry and they're interchangeable. Derrick Henry. And it, it really pissed Teron off. I, I Teron Davenport. And it pissed a lot of people off. Let's be honest. But <laughs> It, it was an insane tweet to put out there for everybody to see and read. And it really came back to bite him in the ass this past um, 
this past Monday or Sunday, because at one point at halftime, I think it was either seven yards or nine yards for um, James Robson. It was like 120 yeah. something for Derrick Henry. Like, let's settle down on this. Derrick Henry is the exception to the rule. We've been saying it. We said it over the summer that they should pay Derrick Henry, and they got a steal at the value of Derrick Henry, and it is paying off. You cannot base what this team is paying for Derrick Henry, what he means for this team, and the value that they got for him to the Todd Gurleys and the Zeke Elliotts and all these other running backs because he is above and beyond better than all those running backs. I'd say it's him and Dalvin Cook are the two best running backs with Aaron Jones, you know, a, a Nick, little Nick Chubb's there. in there. He's close. Yeah, I don't like Nick Chubb. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's shitty. Um, but is that I, another I, poop joke from last night? Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> but to me, it's, it's Derrick Henry and everybody else. And I, I think it's Derrick Henry tier one, Dalvin Cook tier two. I'll do two tier three, Nick Chubb, then everybody else. But what, what do you make of, of people thinking that's okay to put out in public? And do you agree with that decision to put it out in public? That's, that's, <laughs> I don't get it. Listen, I, I love you, Buck, but uh, it's, uh, that's a bad one. That's a bad one. I, it, here's the thing. I, I get where he's coming from on the quote unquote running backs don't matter thing and the never pay running backs thing. Mo- probably, you know, eight times out of 10, that's probably correct because We've seen it with guys like Le'Veon Bell. We've seen it with guys like, you know, even Zeke. Uh, we've seen it with uh, more extreme examples like David Johnson. A lot of these times, a running back contract will come back to bite you because as, as they get older, as they get more wear and tear, they just fall apart. Um, but there's a few problems with the argument that Buck is making on the James Robinson, Derrick Henry thing. For one, We've been saying it for a while now. Derrick Henry is not a running back. Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. He is a unique talent. Um, there are outliers in every rule that, that you have in life. Um, Derrick Henry is an outlier. He is a freak of nature. He's a guy that you can give a crazy amount of volume to, and he doesn't slow down. In fact, he seems to get stronger uh, the more you give him carries and the more hits he takes. I mean, we heard all last offseason about how the Titans giving Derrick Henry 400 touches and then paying him all this money was a, a guaranteed failure. Derrick Henry's better this year after all those touches because, you know, he doesn't – his body and his training and what he puts himself through during the offseason does not care about what all the other running backs do. He is special. I've, I've been saying for at least a year now, his – Real superpower. I mean, the size, the speed, uh, the vision, all that stuff is great. But his real superpower is his physical conditioning and the way he takes care of his body and the way that he can continue to perform at the same level, carry after carry after carry, both in games and in the season and over years now that we're seeing. It is unique it's special when defenses get tired derrick henry does not and that's why you often see these big gigantic closing runs in the second half and stuff like that because defenses are wore out uh and they're tired of tackling this guy and he's as fresh as he was when he stepped off the bus um he is extremely unique he's extremely different 
you can't just lump him in with all the other running backs. The other problem with this Buck James Robinson argument is that there are literally hundreds of undrafted running backs that come into camps every single year. James Robinson was an undrafted guy who came into a camp and he turned out to be a really good player. The odds of finding James Robinson and not Dalen Dawkins. I mean, no offense to these guys are like uh, the, what, what Larry Rose, who they had in a few years ago. You know, the guys S- like that. Sonoris Perry. Yeah. Sonoris Perry. Like the odds of you landing on James Robinson are so incredibly low I mean, it's like saying, well, you should never you should never pay a cornerback because, look, the Patriots found Malcolm Butler as an undrafted guy. Well, sure. Yeah, you can find an outlier for that at every position group. The majority of your really good running backs in the NFL are still guys that were drafted. And don't tell me that James Robinson is a beacon of scouting by the the Jacksonville Jaguars because the Jaguars passed on him like nine times in the draft they had a ton of draft picks they didn't use any of them on James Robinson if they thought he was going to be what he is they would have used one of those picks on him they got lucky they you know found lightning in a bottle with this guy he is a really good player but this does not justify the fact that you can just grab anyone off the street because you aren't grabbing Dalen Dawkins and sticking him into the Titans offense and not missing a beat that's just simply not happening nobody's game planning for Dalen Dawkins nobody's you know stacking eight nine guys in the box Doug Marone was talking about how he was putting as many guys in the box as he could and they still couldn't do anything about it because Derrick Henry is so good I mean hear it from the words of the coaches he's facing themselves Derrick Henry changes game plans he makes this offense go Dalen Dawkins doesn't do that shit I'm sorry Buck but he, he does not it is a unique situation he's more valuable to the Titans than he is to anyone else and it's an asinine argument to try to say the Titans shouldn't have paid Derrick Henry. They absolutely should have, and they're getting the results that they paid for right now. If it wasn't for COVID-19, he would not even be starting. You got to remember, this was Raquel yeah. Armstead and Divine Ozigbo's backfield. And it was really Raquel Armstead's backfield because they got rid of Leonard Fournette. So... Then he gets COVID-19 and never gets off the list. I think he was still left up there. And then you have Divine Ozigbo. He goes down. And then they went and got Dare Aguiladua, which we did see him play some. He was supposed to be the guy, and he goes down. It James Robinson was the last resort. Now, granted, it turned out really in their favor but it was pure luck when he was the fourth guy and they you know essentially the fourth guy on the depth chart they weren't really expecting much of him now he got some camp praise but they weren't really hoping to play him because he was an undrafted free agent so we got to settle down listen if you want to make the don't pay running backs arguments that is fine like mike said i and i agree we both didn't really agree with that argument don't use Derrick Henry and compare him to anybody else in this league. He does not belong in that argument. He is above and beyond anybody else in this league. Speaking of dumb, dumb, dumb Titans Twitter or Titans Twitter takes, Steven Ruiz on October 27th last year. So when I went searching for the actual tweet because uh, Lebowski had missed it, October 27th, this is after 
the L.A. Chargers game where Ryan Tannehill threw for 312 yards and two touchdowns and either during or after the Tampa Bay game where he went for 193 yards and three passing touchdowns, Stephen Ruiz decides to put out, Ryan Tannehill is the ghost of Daniel Jones' future. So that's October 27th last year. This week, he decides to bring it up again for whatever reason. Daniel Jones and Ryan Tannehill are the same quarterback. Let's talk about it. I don't know where he lives and what kind of weed they have, but I want some. Because that is the, that is, this is the most ridiculous thing. Either he's saying that Daniel Jones will have a Ryan Tannehill-like career renaissance somewhere, but we're talking about a guy who has eight passing touchdowns so far this year and nine interceptions. If anything, Daniel Jones is the 2017 Marcus. <laughs> like this is, this is ridiculous. This is such a ridiculous thing to attach your name to. Why attach your name to and try t- after the specifically the historic season that Dan- that Ryan Tannehill lad- had last year and the, Yes, there is slight regression, but he's still a top three or top four quarterback in most metrics. Why still try to say that Daniel Jones is somehow going to be Ryan Tannehill in the future? I I have no idea because, and frankly, I think uh, Stephen Ruiz is generally a good analyst, um, but he has a huge blind spot for Ryan Tannehill, and I don't know where it came from, whether it's a – take he had that Ryan Tannehill was trash and he just doesn't want to come off of it uh, from a long time ago or what. I don't know what the origin story with his uh, Ryan Tannehill hate is, but he is one of these guys that is desperately clinging to the Ryan Tannehill of Miami, who was an okay quarterback, but not very good. I mean, he was fine. Um, And not, not acknowledging that the Ryan Tannehill we're seeing in Tennessee is a top five you know, ish quarterback in the NFL right now. I mean, by just about any metric you want to look at, whether it's PFF, whether it's traditional stats, whether it's advanced stats, any of those, Ryan Tannehill is putting up top five quarterback numbers. Um, so I know he likes to discount all of that by saying, oh, well, it's play action, it's play action. Well, that's fine. That's what they ask him to do. Um, but he executes it at a tremendously high level. And I know his, the, real like core of his argument ultimately ended up being uh, Daniel Jones stands in the pocket and takes hits while he's throwing the football like Ryan Tannehill does. But if that's really what you want to say, then say that don't say that they're the same quarterback because they're absolutely not. Tannehill's accuracy is better. Tannehill's decision-making is certainly better. Um, Obviously Jones is only in his second year. So, you know, I'll allow the, for the fact that he could get better as, as the years progress, but, even if you go back and look at Tannehill's first couple years in the league in Miami, they're a lot better than what Daniel Jones's first couple years have been in New York. So it's a bizarre argument. The people that still want to trash Ryan Tannehill after he keeps, keeps stacking games of really good quarterback play here in Tennessee. I just don't understand them. I mean, the guy is, is, you know, 16 and seven, uh, and really, you know, if you want to include playoffs, he's 18 and eight as a starter uh, in Tennessee, and he's thrown for 50 touchdown passes against 11 interceptions uh, in the past two regular seasons. So, you know, you throw the playoffs in there, you're at 56 touchdowns against 12 interceptions. Let me know when Daniel Jones approaches 
anything close to that because right now he's not even in that stratosphere you know it's just i don't i don't understand it yeah it's uh it's pretty silly i mean it's just i i can't get over the prisoners of the past like that's what i feel like it is and the titans fan base has got some prisoners of the past problems too but this is like you're you're right it's like he said that ryan Tannehill's trash and he, he there's nothing that can happen to change his mind if ryan Tannehill goes keeps on continuing on this trend eventually you're gonna have to say that ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback I mean, maybe even great quarterback with the way he's going. I mean, he's about to take over every franchise record that the Titans have in passing for a single-season leader. I, I keep saying it, and I know people don't believe it, and they don't want to hear it. He's the best quarterback the Titans have ever had. And, it, I mean, it's just true. I'm, I'm sorry. Just everything about him, I love. He's a leader. He's gutsy. He can th- He's got pinpoint accuracy, good decision-making. Everything you want in a quarterback – it's right here. This is everything that you wanted and and then some out of a quarterback. And it's just like, I don't understand. Look, nobody re- remembers this October 27th tweet. Don't know why you decided, you know, th- 14 months later to revisit it and say, yeah, I think it was a good time to go back to, to the Daniel Jones and Ryan Tannehill well for my takes this week. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. It's, it's funny. He's, um, you know, Tannehill, he's definitely having the best quarterback season we've ever seen in a, in a Titans uniform. And, and I don't think that's even going to be disputable. He's got three, you know, relatively easy defenses coming up over the next three weeks. He's probably going to pad his stats a little bit more. Um, there's a chance he gets to 4,000 yards, which would be nice to see. Um, he is playing excellent football. Anybody who tells you otherwise is looking to backtrack over bad takes that they had, you know, and, and, and I'm tired of every time he throws an interception. Cause I saw this a little bit uh, when he threw the pick against the Ravens um, on, on the play where he got destroyed up the middle and just kind of threw it uh, and got picked. I'm tired of every time he has a bad play, people coming in and going, Oh, there goes Miami Tannehill. It's like, no, no, he's allowed to still make mistakes. No, no quarterbacks perfect. I think uh, Patrick Mahomes threw three picks uh, this past weekend. So, I mean, it is what it is. All quarterbacks make mistakes, but Tannehill is a different quarterback here in Tennessee. That's not changed. We're at like a 20 game plus sample size. Now it's time to, to throw away your, your just pearl clutching over. Well, what if he actually isn't good? He is good. He's good. Um, we are seeing the Titans dominate offensively. They have a chance, actually. I think they're only 20 points off of the NFL lead for scoring, which if the Titans end up finishing as the highest scoring team in the NFL this year, and there's a real chance that happens, I I may cry. Like, I, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Um, I That would be like just an achievement that I never actually thought was possible. Um, and, until Ryan Tannehill came into our lives and changed everything. Look, if you look at the, if you just look at touchdowns and interceptions in this offense, where we know that Derrick Henry is the guy, right? It, the offense runs through Derrick Henry. He has 28 passing touchdowns and five interceptions. Patrick Mahomes only has five more touchdowns and the same amount of interceptions. 
that's wild to think about that a Tennessee Titans run first team is not that far in this quarterback and Ryan Daniel is not that far behind Patrick Mahomes and touchdown and is tied with him in interceptions, which is tied for second in the NFL for the least amount of interceptions with just five. So we, we got to make sure that we recognize the greatness of Ryan Tannehill, and it cannot be understated. This offense ranks third in the league in total yards with 5,128 total offensive yards. That is wild. This is a our yards per play is 6.1, which is also really good. And this defense somehow is number one in turnovers. Like it, it generates turnovers regardless of sacks and pass rush. I couldn't. Listen, if we just could get 30 sacks, do you realize how great this defense probably would be? <laughs> Holy crap. It's amazing. Um, but this takes me to the prisoners of the past. This takes me to our next Terrible Titans Twitter take, which is there's too many of you to name. Clamoring for zero catch, Tajay <laughs> Sharp to be on this team. And listen, you're talking to a guy who has referenced him as Taj Bay, who went to bat for Tajay as the better wide receiver over Taewon Taylor. Do you still have your Tajay Sharp t-shirt that I got you? Oh, I'm sure I do somewhere. <laughs> listen, it is, we do not need, the Tennessee Titans do not need him. I do not understand this idea that this team really needs a third down chain mover. We have seen on the field, about three different tight ends who all have performed better than Tajay Sharp has this year be that chain mover. We have A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. They can be that chain mover. We have Derrick Henry. They, they He could be that chain mover. I do not understand this, this incessant need by this fan base to cling to these, these losers. The guy couldn't even beat out Chad Bibby, I think is his name, and um, B.C. Johnson. Like, give me a break. Zero catches. He got, listen, this team, this Tennessee Titans front office, this coaching staff, they let him walk for a one-year, $1 million deal. They let someone else pay him that. And that team cut him. He was supposed to come in and be the number three or number two. I just don't see why the people think that we need them. That's what they say. We need them. We must sign them. Those are direct quotes. And they say that he's infinitely better than Cam Batson and infinitely better than Westbrook Ekrine and, and uh, he's better than Khalif Raymond. I mean, it, those last two, yeah, it's debatable, but they also don't play a lot of snaps. That's why you see a lot of Cam Batson. And uh, to be honest, I'd rather have Cam Batson over him. And those guys also play special teams roles. Tajay Camp. Let's just be honest. It, there is no need to bring Tajay Sharp, especially when there's Kenny Stills still out there. That's the guy you bring in if you really want that third wide receiver. That's the guy you bring in. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on that. I mean, I, I'm a known uh, Tajay hater. Um, so um, I, I can say that... I wouldn't be totally opposed to having him on the practice squad as like an emergency situation. Right. Like say Corey Davis breaks his leg or something. It wouldn't be a bad thing to have Tajay Sharp on the bench just to say, all right, we'll throw this guy in there. He knows the offense. And we know that he will catch the ball. If he, if he somehow miraculously finds himself 
open uh in 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 space you he will catch the ball that is about as much as i can say about tajay sharp he's a guy that cannot beat man coverage to save his life um all he can do is really kind of run and sit down in his own and catch a, a pass thrown to him so which is fine that's that's a skill um but it's obviously not a very valuable skill and any target if the titans were to get tajay sharp and put him in you know this week any target that you give Tajay Sharp to me just is a target that's not going to guys like AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Johnny Smith, who actually need targets. Like those are the guys that you actually want to throw the football to. Um, Sharp doesn't give you anything special. Cam Batson is, is playing well. Um, I like him in that slot role. I like him a hell of a lot more than I like Tajay Sharp in the slot. Um, he brings a different element to, to, the, the Titans that they don't really have with his speed and, and quickness and everything. So Tajay brings you nothing that you don't already have. AJ Brown can do what Tajay Sharp does better than Tajay Sharp does it. Um, frankly, Anthony Ferkser can do what Tajay Sharp does better than Tajay Sharp does it. So I don't, yeah, the, we need him, the, Oh, gotta have him. Oh, it'd be so great if he was back here. I, if you're still attached to Tajay Sharp, that's your thing. Like, whatever, fine. Like, if you want him to be here for sentimental reasons, but for football reasons, the Titans don't need him here. Uh, they Like we've just been talking about, they've got uh, a clear top five offense and, and a chance to end up, end up having the best offense in the NFL at the end of the season without him. Uh, that should be, that should make it very clear that they don't need him. Uh, there is not a need. There's not a need on the offensive side of the ball, frankly. I think my favorite comment was from Dr. Windrunner, who said, if I have to choose a guy to catch an uncontested four-yard out, I'm taking Sharp. What, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, oh, is that the – so if – like, it's uncontested. Like, anybody can catch an uncontested ball. Cam Batson is catching contested balls and doing – uh sideline toe taps out there. I mean, let's let's get real here. Cam Batson gives you more than Tajay Sharp does on every phase of the game, I feel like, because he's got the speed. He's got the – he can get, you know, open. And he can catch and make miraculous catches. We've seen it time and again that he is a sideline – catching specialists. I mean, we saw it with Marcus in the Dallas game and we saw that he caught, I think it, it was him. Yeah. It was him in the Dallas game too, where he caught yeah. the it, among three people. Remember that pass? There were three people on Cam Batson yeah, and great. he caught the ball. And so he can actually make contested catches and he can actually make those contested catches, not just four yards, but 20 yards or 30 yards down the field. So give me a break that this missing ingredient for this top three offense in yards is Tajay Sharp, who has zero catches for the NFL season so far. Yeah, on, on that uh, loaded Vikings receiving core. Yeah, I mean, I just, Chad Bebe and BC Johnson, <laughs> he just cannot, I like, those guys weren't even free agents or whatever. They're probably getting paid less than what they paid Tajay Sharp. And he couldn't beat those guys out to do anything. And don't forget, Adam Thielen went down with injury and was out, and he still did not get any kind of action. He's not good, guys. I know that he had that um, little press conference moment last year where he, you know, introduced Derrick Henry, and that's really cool. 
but we have Darren Bates. We got a hype man. We don't need a hype man. <laughs> we, we, we need to see on this field. Uh, if you want, if this team feels like it needs to bring a wide receiver in, it's going to bring in Kenny stills in my opinion, because we know that Ryan Tannehill is very close with Kenny stills. We know that they have some chemistry with each other. I would think that would be the guy that you would bring in to put in the slot because he's also a deep speed threat too. But I think that they're, they realize evaluating this team that, Oh, okay. Well, we're a top three offense, whether humps in it or not, I think we're fine. Yeah. That's how I yeah. It. It, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't see why anyone would want him over Kenny stills stills is, had way more success in the NFL than, than Sharp has ever had. Um, he brings a different element, like you said, that, that the Titans don't have on the roster. So if you're going to bring someone in, bring in Stills. I don't think you have to bring in anybody, though. I, I'm perfectly happy uh, trying out A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, and Cam Batson. And, and maybe you get Adam Humphreys back. You still might at the end of the season. Um, and, and I know people are super soured on – uh, Humphreys right now but obviously I think this last performance when he was really bad against Browns was concussion affected um, and we may never see him again I mean that this, this may be it for him and that's a really sad story and, and kind of state of events uh, if that happens to be the case but um, if you do get Humphreys back for the playoffs Humphreys is significantly better than Tasha Sharp so I, I think you've got Batson who's better uh, you've got Raymond, who you know arguably is better. They do very different things, but frankly, Raymond gives you something that you don't have, like like we've been saying. So, I mean, I, I stick them on the practice squad if you want, but I, yeah, I'm not putting them on a 53 man roster here. And in the Westbrook Akeen thing, real quick, yeah, uh, Westbrook Akeen is on the roster for special teams. He plays as a gunner. He plays on kick coverage, stuff like that that is a role that they tried to get Tajay Sharp to take at one point, And he just never could do it. Like he's just not a special teams guy. He's not going to help you on special teams. That's part of the why he was never active or barely ever active for the Vikings. Cause you can't have a wide receiver four or five on your roster active on game day. That is not giving you anything on special teams. That's just bad roster management. So uh, Westbrook Akeen has, has been pretty good on special teams. He gives you something there. Uh, obviously, the coaching staff likes him on special teams. That's why he has a, a roster spot. He's not – he's on the roster as a quote-unquote wide receiver, but really he's a special teamer. He's not – I mean, if a bunch of guys got hurt, he would go in at wide receiver, but he's not – that's not what he's there for. So it's not a one-to-one -one comparison between their skill sets. Yeah, it's, it's insane, and, you know – I look at this team and I look at Anthony Ferkser and Jeff Swaim and Michael Pruitt and Johnny Smith as those third down options you're looking for. I mean, when everybody says, well, we need that third down wide receiver. No, you need a third down pass catcher. And we have about six or seven of them right now that are better than Tajay Sharp. I mean, we saw Jeff Swaim doing, getting more separation than Tajay Sharp ever has in his life, I feel like. <laughs> like that's crazy. Just Swaim has been pretty good. Yeah, you don't you don't have to cling to the past. Like if this was the 2017 Titans offense and we were desperate for a wide receiver, then yeah, I'd be saying, hey, we need to get Tajay Sharp back in here. They need to get him in. 
this is not that team. Richard this Matthews is not that offense. The yeah. ghost of Andre Johnson. Yeah, like give me a break. I mean, people got <laughs> to get a grip. They cling to the 500 yard season and they cling to those third down conversions. You know, he had, I believe it was two years ago, he had a lot of third down conversions. We're, we're fine. This, what we're seeing on the field, the Tennessee Titans offense is fine without Tajay Sharp. I know people, when he got cut or they let him walk, they flipped the fuck out. Like it was ridiculous, but I know I tried to tell people then that it didn't matter. And I agree. And upgrading a practice squad spot with Tajay Sharp makes a ton of sense, but someone is going to probably pick up Tajay Sharp tomorrow off waivers, like a new England Patriots team that's desperate for a wide receiver. Uh, maybe. Maybe I just, I, like you said, at this point, he doesn't bring anything down the field. He's not going to be active on game day for the Tennessee Titans, even if they did pick him up and put him on the practice squad, barring injuries. And right now, I don't want to hope for injuries. Let's roll with what we got and just do it. I am like, I don't care if he's familiar with Nashville and I don't care if he's, you know, familiar with the region, you know, or familiar with the offense. It It's not going to do anything. It listen, if Tajay Sharp is on this roster on game day as your number two wide receiver on the outside, we have bigger problems. <laughs> like, like to me, that's not yeah, good. You're in trouble. I, I really don't care how sure-handed he is and how familiar with the offense that he is. That's not good for this team if he's out there in any capacity. Practice squad insurance at the most, Tajay Sharp. Let's get into the Detroit Lions game. Okay. So we don't know if Matt Stafford is going to be playing the game for sure, but because he has a rib injury, if I'm not mistaken, that's the injury. But if there's any team that you can probably play with a rib rib injury against, it's the Tennessee Titans because they're not going to get you to the ground. So Case Daniels could be the the quarterback back there or James Agnew, who's actually gotten a start over Chase Daniels at some point uh, this year. Um, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Um, I did did not know that. (laughs) Jamal Agnew got the start. He he got a start and only threw one attempt, and I guess Chase Daniels came in. I I don't know. Uh, Oh, he's a a wide receiver. Oh, yeah. He started like the very uh, first okay. game in yeah. Wildcat, I guess. Okay, so Chase Daniel is the guy. I gotcha. And so far, he's played in two games. He's 11 of 19, 123 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Could a better injury luck happen if Matt Stafford does not show up to this game? That's a huge break for the Titans, obviously, because, I mean, the, the Lions defense we know is hot garbage. I mean, they, they've got almost zero redeemable uh, players on that side of the ball. The Titans are going to romp all over Detroit's defense. The, what you have to worry about is getting into the middle middle of a shootout um, where, you know, the, the lines are going up and down the field on you because they, they do have some weapons over there. Um, you know, obviously, we don't know about Kenny Galladay either. He's been missing um, for a long time now. I kind of find it hard to believe that he's coming back this week. Um, he's still, you know, seems to be just kind of twisting the breeze he's almost in a dory jackson kind of cycle for them so we'll see what happens with with galladay um but marvin jones jr danny amadola tj hawkinson 
Um, those guys are all talented. DeAndre Swift is good out of the backfield. Um, you've got a couple good offensive linemen in uh, your boy, uh, Frank Ragnow, and, uh, and Taylor Decker at left tackle. Um, so the Titans probably aren't going to get any pressure, um, although – Right tackle is a huge concern for the Lions, so maybe maybe you can get something out of Roberson over there or something like that. But um, it's a it's a pretty good offense um, in general when Stafford's out there. So I think Stafford either playing largely hampered by the rib injury, which I think uh, Ian Rappaport described as extremely painful um, issue, whatever's going on with him. I don't know if it's like a, a bruise. I know the x-rays came back negative, so it's not broken ribs, but it's, it could be some sort of like torn cartilage in, in his rib cage or something like that. So um, whatever he's dealing with, it's apparently pretty bad. Um, so if he's hampered by that, or if they play Chase Daniel, that's a huge win for the Titans because that, that helps a defense that I still don't believe is very good have a chance to, to put together another strong performance against a subpar passer. So um, is this the yeah. game that Hopefully. you would hope that Adoree Jackson comes back because you want him to play games, right? I mean, yes. before, before yes. the playoffs. And to me, this seems like this would be, especially if Chase Daniel is out there, a good, get your feet wet kind of game, because then you got green Bay. I mean, you could definitely start him at the, against the Texans because they, barely have anybody on offense at this point anymore um but yeah. you definitely i would think this would be the game if he's that they would ex- hope that he can come back to but i know they slow play injuries yeah sometimes. yeah i think i think this is the ideal spot for both him and fulton uh to get back and get a game underneath their belt before that big packers matchup because i mean it would be surprising if a Dory wasn't a little bit rusty. Same with uh, Fulton. You know, these guys haven't played meaningful football in a Dory's case in uh, almost a full calendar year. Um, and, and Fulton hasn't played in several weeks. So it's uh it's a, a game. This would be a good game, especially if Chase Daniel plays for them to get a, a little bit under the belt without a guy that can really hurt them. Um, not that Chase Daniel can't hurt them because he can, you know, if, if you leave people wide open, anybody can complete passes on you. Um, but he's not going to shred you like Matt Stafford could. Um, and he's certainly not going to shred you like Aaron Rodgers will, if you're not up to, to speed in week 16. So, um, this would be a great game to get those two guys back, get them, get their feet back under them, get their conditioning back a little bit um, and, and hopefully get them in, into a little bit of a rhythm in that defense. So this is, this is a big week for the Titans, I think, injury-wise um, to see what they can get back there. And then, of course, um, you know, there's issues along the offensive line with, with injuries and stuff. It sounds like none of it's terribly serious and it's just kind of bumps and bruises and, um, you know, relatively minor stuff that they can probably play through on that on that front. But – we know Saffold's banged up. We know Ben Jones is banged up. We know Dennis Kelly's banged up. So um, any of those guys getting a little bit more healthy as we head into this stretch run would be helpful. Okay, so we're going to play a little bit over under here. So we're, we're basing this off of to get Derrick Henry above uh, Chris Johnson, so at 2,007 yards. Then we have um, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis to get 1,000 yards each. And then – Tannehill to get 4,000. Okay. So over under pass yards for this game, 200 and 
263.66, so 264. 264 for Tannehill? Yeah. Um, I'll go I'll go over. I'll go over. over. That's the Lions second. Okay. At the line, I'm probably going to be over on a lot of these because I just think the Lions defense is so Well, the, the next two are the receivers. They just need, uh, I think they need 56 yards per game. I'm rounding up 56 yards yeah. per game. Uh, both, actually. So, over under for Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. Uh, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over on Brown, but not Davis. Okay. And let's go for Derrick Henry. He needs 158.3 to get the 2007. So let's just over. call it 158 over. This is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. So you're expecting 35. <laughs> I think 10? it's going to be a 40. I think it's going to be a 40 burger. Yeah, All yeah. right. Okay. So you're saying four, I'll go, uh, I'm going to go 45, 17. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think like it, it could be something like that. All right. Yeah. And I'm going over for Daniel all plays, of them. Yeah. I'm going over for all of them, except for on Tannehill. Across I think he's going to go under. Okay. It's going to be one of those games where he completes a couple big passes early yeah. and then he's just like hanging Derek off the Henry rest the, the rest of the way. Yeah, that yeah. happens. Well, that is it for football and other F words. Mike Herndon, follow him at Mike Miracles, head to broadwaysportsmedia.com, get you a membership, read all of our stuff. We got some great content that comes out every week after the game. In the Trenches by Ryan Watson, where he looks at the offensive line matchups and the defensive line matchups for every game and reviews the previous game. We have our all-22s with uh, Mike and with Superhorn. And then uh, we got Broadway Best Bets, which is easy money for you to make if you fade all of Justin's bets. Uh, We have all (laughs) kinds of stuff going. You head over to our YouTube channel. We have uh, over there, we have uh, the Fantasy Football Show. Um, we have our live streams recorded and put up there. Make sure to come to our live streams every halftime and every post game. We go live. It's fun. It's great. It's informative. And then there's also the fantasy overtime uh, at 10:30 a.m. We give actually really great advice, so you need to get there. And that's not hyperbole. We actually nailed a lot. Almost every, we probably nail about like 87% of our picks that we tell people in our advice. So you should head over there. Other than that, this is football and other F words. You have just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.